uh, Andres mentioned uh, tomorrow, our nation will uh, pause to remember a man who taught love and who led with love. Martin Luther King uh, Jr. never claimed to be a perfect man. He was not, but he did proclaim that there was power in perfect love. And tomorrow, many in the secular arena will talk about the love that uh, Dr. King advocated, uh, but few in the secular arena will emphasize what Dr. King emphasized, and that is that this love that he advocated uh, that has uh, changed our world is bringing change to our nation and uh, is bringing change to, uh, to hearts and minds. This love is principled on the teaching of Jesus. And the question I want to ask today is whether I am applying the love principles of Jesus, whether you are applying the love principles of Jesus to your world. That's an important question. First of all, do you know the love principles of Jesus? And then, of course, the much bigger question is, are you applying the world-changing love principles to your world? Many of us are not. We call ourselves Christ followers, but many of us are not following what Jesus taught about love. And our families show it. Our marriages show it. Our work relationships, our relationships in general, tell the sad tale that we are not applying the love of Jesus as he taught it to our everyday relationships. In fact, our relationships tell the sad tale that we're not even trying, that we're not even trying to live in the love of Jesus. So let's talk about the love principles of Jesus and what it means to try, try to apply them to our lives. Not just talk about it not just sing about the love of Jesus, but to really try to apply the love of Jesus to our real-life relationships. The first principle Jesus taught on love is this. Love is the most important thing. If you know Jesus, you know that he taught that love is the most important thing in life. This is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 22. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love, love, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said that the most important thing in life is love. Loving God in heaven, loving people on earth. Love, love, love. Love is the first thing. Love is the greatest thing. There is nothing more important than love, Jesus taught. Now, when Jesus chose to teach that love is the most important thing in life, Jesus was revolutionary revolutionary in his day. Today, however, the impact of his revolutionary teaching is blunted by the fact that we live in a culture that has been shaped by Jesus' revolutionary word on love for 2,000 years. We live in a culture that agrees, that agrees that showing love is the most important thing until 
we're actually called to do it. We agree that loving God is the most important thing until we learn that the love Jesus is talking about includes some sacrifice, including maybe sacrificing to spend some time in prayer with God or sacrificing some of our income to give to God's work. Oh, we agree that loving people is the most important thing in life until we learn that the love that Jesus is talking about involves some sacrifice in our lives about maybe being kind to some unkind people in our lives. Oh, we agree that love is the most important thing in the world until we learn that Jesus is teaching us to leave our comfort zone and actually reach out to people in love who may reject us for that very love. We're blessed uh, to have uh, here at BlackRock some students who are passionate about reaching out with the love of Jesus. Our BlackRock High School student ministry uh, forms a group called Fusion. And all the time I get to hear stories about fusion students who are reaching out with love, not only to their peers, but also to people who are much older. One fusion student told me recently how she was doing homework at Panera, a couple of blocks, you know, just down the Black Rock Turnpike. And uh, while she was doing her homework there at Panera, she had this strong sense that God wanted to reach out to someone in pain right there, right there at Panera. So she closed her textbook and she started looking around. She wandered around for 20 minutes just looking to see if there was somebody who needed maybe some prayer. Well, the trail went cold. Uh, So she packed up her things and she was about to leave. And then on her way out the door, she saw an elderly couple sitting across from each other at a booth. And they were both crying. And so she went up to this couple and said that she's, I'm just a teenager, she said, and I'm wandering around wondering, asking God who I could pray for. And I was wondering if maybe I could pray for you. And the woman immediately said, please sit down because we've just come from the doctor's office and my husband has just learned that he's been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. So they sat down. They held hands and prayed together. And you know, uh, this fusion student says that uh, as they were praying, uh, this couple started crying even more. Uh, Crying even more, but now the tears were not tears of despair. They were the tears of recognition that they were seen by God. They were loved by God. And just like this student, you can be a healer if, if, If you try love, if you reach out beyond your comfort zone to live out Jesus' truth, that love is the most important thing. If you believe Jesus, if you believe this truth, then you will realize that love is worth closing your textbook. Love is worth the risk of rejection. Love is worth opening your eyes and opening your heart to the hurt and hurting people around you because love is the most important thing in life. Next, uh, besides uh, teaching that love is the most important thing, Jesus taught another principle about love, and that is that love means self-sacrificial action. 
Now, this gets to the heart of how Jesus defined love and how Jesus defined love is different than how we usually define love. Today, if you ask people how you define love, they'll say it's a feeling, a feeling of affection, or they'll say uh, love is this, you know, this energy that you send out to the world. Jesus says, no, no, that's not it. Jesus says love is not a feeling. Love is not an abstract concept. Jesus taught that love is an action. It's a set of actions, self-sacrificial actions. That's why over and over again, Jesus commands his followers to love. Jesus knows you can't command a feeling because love is not a feeling in Jesus' definition. Jesus in John chapter 15 says, this is my command, love each other. Where the word love is coming to us in Greek. Uh, Jesus' love lessons in the gospels come to us in Greek where Jesus' word for love is the Greek word agape. And in Greek, agape refers to unselfish, self-sacrificing love. Now, Greek has many other words that uh, refer to love. Some of them have to do with feelings, feelings of affection for your family or uh, feelings of affection for a friend. But the gospel writers specifically refer to Jesus' love as agape, self-sacrificing, active love. So when Jesus teaches me to agape my neighbor, my nearby, my neighbor, the love Jesus has in mind is doing specific acts, acts of service, service that involves an investment of my time, of my energy, and my effort. So that means if I'm a supervisor, uh, I can't just say I love my employees in my workplace. Love is actually listening to my employees and then trying to respond to their needs in a practical, specific ways and encouraging them. If I'm a student, love isn't just saying, I love my family. It's actually spending time with my kid brother. It's actually spending time showing my kid brother that I, I care about him and I'm, I'm willing to welcome him in, into my life and show that I care about him. If I'm married, love isn't just saying I love my spouse. It's sacrificing my personal demand to be made happy first and actually focusing on sacrificial acts that make my spouse happy first. So I'm convinced that uh, for most of us, God wants to teach us agape at home. But unfortunately, many of us aren't even trying. We're not even trying love. We're not even trying to follow Jesus' love in our home. Maybe you're a spouse who used to try, but now you've given up. Or maybe you're a spouse who never even started. Maybe you're a spouse who, from the very beginning, from your wedding day, there was this unspoken expectation for your spouse that goes like this. Your job is to make me happy. And if you make me happy, then I might make you happy. This, if you make me happy, then I'll make you happy contract is a formula for marriage disappointment. 
And it's the opposite of what Jesus teaches in terms of agape love. When you have a wife saying, uh, I'll make you happy when you make me happy, and you have a husband saying, no, I'll make you happy when you make me happy, what you have there is a stalemate. If your marriage is a stalemate today, the only hope is for Jesus' love. The only hope is for at least one spouse in this marriage to choose agape love and put the other spouse first with some sacrificial love. One afternoon, a husband and wife uh, went to the doctor's office for a follow-up uh, for the husband's heart attack. And with his stethoscope, uh, the doctor listens to the husband's heart. And then uh, it's very serious, look on his face, and says to the husband, you can get dressed. And then he says to the wife, come out in the hall. I'd like to speak to you. And outside uh, the office, the doctor says, uh, ma'am, your husband is going to have another probably fatal heart attack unless, unless you remove all stress from his life, unless you cater to his every whim, unless you serve him, unless you never argue but always agree with him, never complain. Otherwise, he's not going to live much longer. So the wife closes her eyes and nods her head. Uh, the husband comes out. Uh, together they leave the doctor's office. And then in the car, the husband turns to the wife and says, so honey, what did the doctors say to you? And the wife said, well, the doctor said, you're going to die. <laughs> well, you see, that's just kind of like poking a little fun at uh, the selfishness that, that creeps into the hearts of husbands and wives and uh, makes, makes a, a kind of a, a death spiral out of marriage because there is a death spiral if we're just asking each other to make us happy first. Uh, but Jesus' love has the power to raise marriages from the dead. Right now, Jesus comes to every spouse listening right now and says, the choice is yours. You can watch your marriage spiral in a kind of death, or you can try love. Try love where you serve your spouse first, not waiting to be served. Try love where you show love first, whether you feel loved or not. Try agape, where you sacrificially please your spouse. Without strings, without demands, just love. Try love. And right now, there are some spouses saying, I'm willing to try. I'm willing to try with Jesus' strength. I'm ready to try growing in agape love. I'm ready to try anything, including BlackRock's marriage retreat. You will not regret it if you sign up to be part of the marriage retreat. But of course, this agape love principle is not just for marriages. This is for every relationship of a Christ follower. If I'm following Jesus, I must follow what he teaches about agape, that love is not a feeling. Love is not just talk. Love is about actually serving people, sometimes in secret. Sometimes without notice, without getting any thanks. Agape is about self-sacrifice without strings or demands or ulterior motives. And there is power when we 
live with that kind of agape love in our relationships, which leads to another kind of love principle that Jesus uh, teaches about, which is this. Love means being kind to those who don't deserve it. Now, this gets to the hardest part of what Jesus teaches about love. Jesus teaches that his kind of love is seen in my life, not in how I treat people who treat me well. It's seen in how I treat people who are mean or nasty or who take me uh, for granted or ignore me or hurt me. Jesus gives this hard teaching in Matthew chapter 5. He says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Now keep in mind that Jesus is speaking to an agricultural society where Rain and sun, both are blessings. And so Jesus is saying that you need to be like your heavenly father who showers blessing after blessing on people who don't like him. He showers blessing after blessing on people who ignore him, hate him, or believe he doesn't even exist. I got one of those emails recently. Yep, it's one of those emails, you get them too. It's an email uh, where someone was mean. Uh, someone was insulting to me. Uh, someone was uh, accusing me. And you know, sometimes the insult, sometimes the accusation has some validity to it. But in this case, the person was accusing me of things I didn't do and accusing me of motives that I do not have. And the words hit a nerve because they were designed to do that. And I was defensive. And I was angry, and I was powering up for my blistering reply. I was typing that first draft, and there was smoke rising from my fingertips. I'll show you what insulting looks like. And as my heart was pounding, I could see right before me in black and white what my heart looked like on the inside. And it was the opposite of what Jesus is calling me to as his follower. My response was exactly the opposite. Jesus commands me not to retaliate. Jesus commands me not to return evil for evil, not to seek revenge. And that was my plan. That was exactly my plan. I was matching insult for insult, accusation for accusation, evil with evil, which is a terrible strategy if you want to defeat evil. Revenge does not defeat evil. Revenge is being defeated by evil. Jesus teaches that the only way to defeat evil is to respond to evil with good, with blessing. So I didn't send that first draft. I sent my fifth draft, <laughs> which did not retaliate, but instead acknowledged that the other person was hurt and I had an invitation uh, for getting together face-to-face -to -face so that we could try to bring some healing. And when I sent that fifth draft, I sensed a weight lift off of me. Dr. Martin Luther King put it so well. I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. How about you today? How about you today? Are you carrying a burden of anger towards somebody who has hurt you? Are you carrying around the burden of spite against a bully who has mistreated you? You can't live in this world without getting hurt.
But just because you have poison ink in your inbox doesn't mean you need the poison in your heart. Try love. Try Jesus love. You say you follow Jesus, but are you loving like Jesus? Are you even trying to love with Jesus' kind of love? What does it say to the watching world if you retaliate? What does it say to the watching world if you just return insult for insult and accusation for accusation, return whatever bad junk you get and bring it right back to other people? Are you even trying to love like Jesus? Try love. Respond to evil with good, the good of forgiving someone who doesn't ask for that forgiveness, the good of praying blessing on a difficult person in your life, the good of a kind act toward a person in your life who does not deserve it. And when you respond with grace, evil loses. Evil loses. Sometimes your enemy is transformed into your friend. It does not always happen, but it can. I know that grace can transform an enemy into a friend because that's exactly what Jesus' love did for me. I'm living proof that the grace of Jesus can change everything. And if you're a Christ follower, you're living proof too. When I was God's enemy, Jesus sacrificed his life for me out of his agape love. And that love conquered me, and now all I want is to have that love in me so I can share it with other people, so they can be transformed just like I'm getting transformed by the love of Jesus. Which leads to one more love principle from Jesus, that love means sharing the overflow of love received. Jesus tells me that I will never love like God until I experience the love of God. That's why Jesus says, love your enemies to show that you are a child of your heavenly father. Jesus is saying that the kind of love that God has can overflow from your life if you experience, if you receive it, if you receive the love of God. That's what Jesus is teaching when he says in John 15, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Jesus says that the only way that I can love like him is to be loved by him. Jesus says, try it. Try love. Try my love as you experience it. Have you experienced the love of Jesus? If you've experienced the agape love of Jesus, then you can close your textbook and look around for some people that you can show agape love to with a little bit of self-sacrifice and focusing on some other people. If you've experienced the forgiving love of Jesus, you can forgive someone. You can forgive your spouse. If you've experienced the kindness of Jesus when you didn't deserve it, you can show kindness to someone in your life who does not deserve it. If you've experienced the love of Jesus that hunts you down and doesn't give up on you, then you have a love reservoir that you can overflow from to be a kind of person who has a love for people that does not give up. 
today. Jesus is calling you to display the love you receive from him. That's what try love means today. Try love means trying to live out of the overflow of what you receive in Jesus. Don't just sing about it. Try love. Don't just talk about it. Try love. His love is what saves you. His love is what you're saved for. His love is what calls you to him. His love is what you're called for. Don't wait, don't fear, don't doubt, don't delay. Try it. Try the love of Jesus. Thank you for watching Black Rock Sermon of the Week. We're so glad you found us, and we hope that this message helped you feel more connected to God. In talking about connection, we find that it's super important for people to be connected to others and to a community in order to grow in their faith. So if you're in our area, we want to invite you to join us for one of our services. You can find out more about our times and locations right here on this webpage. And if you're not in the area, don't worry. We encourage you to join a local church where you are. There you find people who can walk alongside you and help you continue to grow in your faith. So we hope that you join us next week and thank you so much for watching.